Yes. You may be here visiting today and say, what in the world have I got into? <laughs> Welcome to the house of God. Amen. His house should be a house of praise Amen. and a house of help Amen. and a house of hope. Amen. 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 You stand to your feet. Matthew chapter 9. I want to begin reading this morning in the ninth verse. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's the reading of the book of Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, if correctly read. There's a phrase in verse 13 that I think we need to think about today. Jesus said, I will have mercy. In my book, Jesus is the Lord. He's the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. Amen. I want to preach on this thought today. God being our helper. Lord, have mercy. Father, thank you for allowing us to be in the house of God today. Father, I love you and I thank you for what you're doing. Would you help us this morning to preach the word of God in power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit, not in the energy or the efforts of man, but in the power of God. Would you help us, God, to hear, to, to apply, to, to believe, God, to, to receive the word of God, that we might get help today to make application to our lives. Touch us, Lord, I pray. We're needing your help. Lord, I need you. I need you so desperately this morning, God. Touch us, I pray, in the power of God. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing. You may be seated this morning. There was a minister that had, he had just closed a revival meeting and he was set to go home and as he stepped on board the train, he started for home and he tried to strike up conversations with strangers, but most people didn't want to talk to the preacher. Most people hadn't been in revival all week long as he had. And finally, he come across a boy that wouldn't respond to him and he said, he saw the boy was very severely depressed and seemed to be upset. And he said, son, can I pray with you about anything? I, I'm a preacher. You, you can let me know anything, son. I'll, I'll pray for you. And the boy started to cry and he said, Sir, he said, uh, you don't know what it's been like for me. He said, things at my house got pretty bad. I've been a rebel against the things of my parents and I've caused trouble in my home. In fact, I went so far as to even raise my fist and strike my dad. And when I did, my dad said, Son, that's it. You can't stay here anymore. It's going to break your mama's heart, but you've got to leave. And I thought, I'll show you, old man. And I left that home that day. It's been a few years, maybe three now, preacher. And I've never found home 
like I had at home. I've never found the love like I had with mom and dad. And Man, I've spent three years just wandering around in misery. And three weeks ago, preacher, I went to a tent meeting and I got what you preachers call saved. And, and God forgave me of all my sins and I wrote my parents a letter and said, I'd like to come home. Would you receive me? Would you forgive me? Would you have mercy on me? Would you let me come home? And while they've not written me back, but I said, as a sign as I come home, would you tie a white rag in the top of the apple tree that we live beside the train tracks? And the preacher said, well, son, I'll be praying about that. And he said, well, mister, we're getting pretty close to home now. And I can't bear to look. Would you look at that apple tree in that little old white house when we were around the turn? And would you see if I'm welcome home? I can't take it. I'm nervous. And the preacher said, we rounded that turn. And I said, son, you don't have anything to worry about. There's not just one rag tied in the top of that tree. There's bows and ribbons tied all over that tree. And there's an old mom and daddy standing underneath that tree. They're waving a white bed sheet. And they're saying, come on home, son. Come on home. And he said, are you kidding, mister? And he jumped up and just jumped off of that train and ran into his mom and daddy's arms. I'm telling you, the Lord will have mercy. Now it's amazing how many times me and you here at the house of God have forgotten what it was like to be lost, have forgotten what it was like to be a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Don't you come in here and throw your old religious woman nose up at anybody. Don't you look your old, your old grandpa eyes down at anybody here and say, I've been saved since 1943. And I listen, honey, I'm telling you, God wants to have mercy this morning on anyone today that would take him up on mercy. Now, when I read the Bible, I see number one in verse number nine, the man that Jesus saved. The Bible says, as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man. Jesus, everywhere he went, he went with a purpose. Why well, I dare say today, when he's come through Bethel Baptist Church and he's here, he's come with somebody in mind. He come to lay his hand on a few. He come to touch a few. He come to save a few. He come to straighten some things out today. He's got a plan and a purpose and he's come to this place today and he sees a man and he sees a woe man and his eyes are upon you today. And when he saw this man, my Bible says this man's name was Matthew. He was sitting at the receipt of custom. That says something about Matthew. He was a tax collector. Oh, preacher Darren, so he had a job. Oh, not just any job. His job was to be a turncoat on the Jews he's raised up with. Amen. He became a traitor and a defector amongst his own nation. Right. He started working for Rome who had oppressed his own people. Right. And he, they said, we'll pay you extra wages if you will extract, extract taxes and extort money from your people. And Matthew said, we have a deal. And he would go, listen, he was such a strong man and had so many thugs working for him, he could take your beast of burden and empty out all your knapsacks and charge taxes on anything he wanted to tax. He stole from people. He cheated people. 
And I'm going to tell you something. His countrymen, the Jews, they hated him. He was corrupt. He was considered scum. They looked down on him. They hated his guts. He was a despised man amongst the people that day. And when Jesus came walking into town, the Bible says Jesus saw a man. Not a glance, but a purposeful gaze. His eyes were fixed upon such a sinner as Matthew. And when he walked up to Matthew, he said, follow me. The crowd was shocked. They were astonished. If Jesus is who he says he is, a holy man, the son of God, why would he speak to such a wicked, despicable, despised, corrupt, cheating, traitor as that man? And yet he spoke to him with a purpose and he was calling him to follow him. And the crowd is amazed. I believe with all my heart there's been a time that Matthew's probably heard of Jesus before. Can't you see him when he was sitting there at the receipt of custom and a blind man walked up to him led by some of his friends and he said, sir, I'm blind. I don't care what you are. Blind, I don't care. You might be a fake. You might be a phony. But I don't care who you think you are. You owe me taxes. Maybe there was little old women that walked up that said, I've, I've got an issue of blood. I, I don't care who you are. You owe me taxes. And you're not getting out of it. And the next year, the man came back and said, you know, you remember me? I was that man that was blind. What happened to you? Oh, Jesus passed by. And he laid his hand on me. He made spittle, spat on the ground, rubbed it in my eyes. I went and washed in the pool. Amen. And now I can see Jesus. Little old lady walked up and said, here's my taxes. Taxes. Little old lady. Hey, wait a minute, little old lady. You have had an issue of blood 12 years yet, but Jesus come by. I touched the hem of his garment, and he made me whole. Matthew, I believe, somehow, he had heard about Jesus before. And when they said it was Jesus passing by his way that day, and Jesus spoke to him and said, follow me. I'm telling you, I believe my Bible says he arose and followed him. Matthew left behind a life of cheating, scheming, corruption. He left behind a life of extortion. He was probably making a lot of money. He was doing very well with what he was doing. And when he walked away to follow Jesus, he fixed it to where he could never go back to it. Honey, the day I followed Jesus, I didn't ever want to go back. I don't want to go back to that old sinful lifestyle, them old sinful ways. I don't have anything to go back to. I think I'll just go with Jesus the rest of the way home. I'm telling you the night Jesus saved you, the day Jesus saved you, he saw you in your sin. And he had mercy on your soul. And he loved you. And when you asked him to forgive you by his grace, he saved you. Can I get a witness? And forgave your sin. What a Savior. Number one, there's the man that Jesus saved. Number two, I see in verse 10, the meal that Jesus shared. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Now I can read out of Mark, and I can especially read out of Luke. And I know that Matthew, being very wealthy as a former, I say former, he's saved now, 
tax collector, as a former wicked sinner, he had a lot of money. And he said, I'm going to have a feast and Jesus will be the guest of honor. Well, I think today, the reason we've had this service, we've had a, we're going to have a service this morning. We're going to sing, they'll be preaching, hope y'all will come. But Jesus is the guest of honor. We've come to look to him. We've come to listen to him. We've come to learn from him. We've come to serve him. The Bible says that at that feast where Jesus was, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him. You know, this is what you'll find out in life. When I was a sinner, I had a lot of friends that were sinners too. And when Matthew made this feast, he invited everybody that he knew, people that was just like him, his friends, his sinner friends, his companions, his cohorts, other publicans. Maybe there was harlots. Maybe there was drug dealers. Maybe there was alcoholics. Maybe there were derelicts. There were people there that were sinners. And my Bible says that Jesus sat down with them. The Bible says that he sat down, that they sat down with him and his disciples. And when his disciples saw it, or excuse me, verse 11, when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Now the Pharisees, the religious crowd, starts complaining. Why are all these sinners here? And if your master is such a holy man, why is he fellowshipping? Why is he eating? Why does he have anything to do with such a wicked crowd? May I say that today, I need an amen right here, that Jesus still eats among sinners. He still fellowships among sinners. Preacher, can you prove it? I am proof. He came to me one day and knocked on my heart's door and said, would you let me in? I'll change your life. Amen. Oh, I'm talking about the meal that Jesus shared with other sinners, other cohorts, other wicked people. And the crowd that was gathered there included some of these complainers, these religious grandpas and grandmas and mamas and daddies that are looking down and putting other people down. And so they're now shaming Jesus. But I'll tell you something. Though the Pharisees don't love sinners, Jesus does love sinners. I think about in yesteryear, there's a great great preacher by the name of William Booth. He's a Methodist. He had thousands in attendance every Sunday. But he had something unusual. He had a love to see sinners be converted. And he would go out and witness to people and bring them in and bring them in. One day, he was called to the Methodist conference. And he came up before the bishop. And he said, sir, I'm asking you that you would let somebody else take the church where I preach. There are people that most of them are saved. They're right with God. It's a great work. Get someone else to handle that work. And allow me to go as a missionary, to go in the highways and the byways and to compel sinners to come in. And the bishop said, no, you're doing a great work. Thousands of people 
belong to our Methodist conference and we're not granting you your request. And Dr. Booth, General Booth, he sat down. His wife was up in the balcony and she ran forward to the front, the edge of the balcony and she said, William, don't listen to the bishop. Listen to God. Follow his leading. And he looked up and heard his wife and he stood back up and he said to the bishop, he said, regretfully, I resign as the pastor of that great Methodist church immediately. He and his boy, his name was Bramwell. (laughs) They started a group called the Salvation Army and they went out in the street where the sinners were, where the homeless were, where the derelicts were and the drug dealers, people that we turn our nose down on. People that we are unwelcoming to. We talk about the mercy that Jesus has and then we won't show mercy to others. Amen, pastor. You're telling it right. He walked into a saloon with his son where there was dance hall, noise, music, where there was drink and alcohol, where there was screams from wayward men and wild women. And he said, Bramwell, look, the fields are white to harvest. These are our people. Let's bring them to Jesus. And he gave his life bringing people to Christ, preaching to them the gospel. Over two million people got saved after he resigned his church. He said, you know what? Let somebody else preach to the righteous. Give me some sinners to preach to. Let me, I'm telling you, we ought to have a heart for the people that do not know Jesus Christ. I want you to know that Dr. Booth died in 1912. Over 150,000 people walked to come and view his body and pay respect. It took 3,000 officers to direct the traffic. 35,000 people attended his funeral in person. There were more than 10,000 that walked 10 miles to his burial. There were flags of 58 nations that were around his casket. Nations he had reached for the cause of Christ. And for many a year, folks who were once vile sinners that repented, they come to give their respects to someone who loved the soul of sinners. In fact, some would say, I respect the man who led my mother or my grandfather to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, honey, Jesus shared a meal with sinners. And thanks be unto God, he has shared a meal with you and with me. Thirdly, now be done. There is the mercy that Jesus showed. Again, the question that the Pharisees said, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? The word is eateth. E-A-T-E-T-H. Didn't say why is he eating? Why did he eat past tense? No. Edith is a present participle word. That means it's a continual action. He's still eating with sinners today. He's still fellowshipping. He's still wooing. He's still drawing. Jesus heard their question. 
And the Pharisees were asking the disciples the question. And before the disciples could respond, Jesus jumped in it. Listen to his response. When Jesus heard that, he said unto them, The whole, they that be whole, need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now you think about it. If you are sick, when I got sick, I had to go see the doctor. I didn't go see the doctor when I was well. I went to see the doctor when I was sick. Can I get a witness? And today if you're here and there's any sickness or if there is any misunderstanding, if there is any problem, if there is any trial, if there is any tribulation, I just want to call you to order and say, the great physician is on duty at the Mercy Hospital this morning. And he's well able to solve your case. He specializes in difficult cases. He specializes in hardships. He specializes in things nobody else could do. There was a woman. She attended a church service and she wore the rags of sin when she came in. And she was a well-known sinner in her community. And the deacons saw her. And they came to the pastor and began to pressure him to expel her before the service began. They said, if we allow her to stay, everybody will shame us and scorn us and say, we've allowed just anything to come in our church. May I say this morning, you better not, listen, you bless God, you bunch of religious zealots that pay more attention to what she wears or what he wears than paying attention to their soul. You need to get over your backslid self. You need to get over your self-righteous attitude. Jesus said, I am the great physician and they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So the pastor went to that lady under pressure and asked her to leave. She went out in the street in the middle of her city weeping and crying, needing help. But the church has even compelled her to leave. When she went out in the street, there was a young man out there who was a preacher with the Salvation Army who said, let me tell you about a Jesus who will take me in and I will tell you, I will, I will, come here. If he'll take me in, he'll take anybody. And I'm just a nobody that's here to tell everybody about somebody who'll save anybody. He took me in. That woman got saved. She got married. She had a sweet little family. Her son became a great man of God preaching the gospel all because someone named Jesus was willing to take her in. All because someone who believed Jesus, someone who was committed to Jesus, someone who they were persuaded about Jesus had faith and said, if Jesus will take me, he'll take anybody. He says in verse 13, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus just said to the religious crowd, you need to learn what that means. I was reading those verses this week. God said, did you get that? 
do you, do you know what I mean? I said, I'm going to need to investigate a little more thoroughly. I found this quote from Hosea chapter 6. Go back to the Old Testament. The book of Hosea. You know, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Chapter number 6. Hosea chapter 6. Verse number 6. Jesus said, I will have mercy. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Hosea 6. Six. Say amen when you found it. It's very important. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice. What's that mean? Do y'all remember Hosea, the prophet, the great man of God? What a work God was accomplishing in his life. What a work he was doing. A condition of revival. A condition of encouragement. A condition of joy. And then Hosea's wife, Gomer, she stepped out on him. I'm talking to somebody here. You've had a spouse, a friend. They stepped out and betrayed you. And it left you feeling less than human. It's destroyed you. Hosea's wife, she was with more than one fella, she had another fella, later on another fella, another fella. And finally, Hosea's wife ends up on the slave trading block. She's going to be bid on to be a servant. And she's stripped naked before everybody. And God spoke to Hosea and said, go yet and love such a woman. Now Hosea could have said, are y'all listening to me? Hosea could have said, she cheated me. She gets what she gets. She, she defrauded me. She betrayed me. She, she crushed me. She, she destroyed me and left me feeling inferior. I've been, the, I've been the talk of, I've been the subject of shame and contempt. God said, I'll have mercy and not sacrifice. Go yet love a woman. So Hosea, he gets all that he knows together, puts on his prophet's robe, and he heads down to town. And when he gets there, he has to suffer the indignity of hearing men bid on what used to be his wife. They were hollering names at her. Obscene comments being made. Hosea had to hear it all. And he hears someone bid and someone else outbids him and another outbids. And Hosea gets in the bidding process himself. Why? He's her husband. He ought not to have to bid. But he came and gave everything that he had to get his wife back. And he won the bidding. And he came to where she was. They said, sold to that man in the back. And it was Hosea. And everybody said, that's Hosea, that's Hosea. And Hosea walks down there to her and she bows before him with nothing on and says, I'm so sorry, Hosea, for how I've treated you. And he gets her by the arm and picks her up, puts his arm around her, takes off his robe, covers up her shame and her nakedness, wraps her in mercy. Amen. 
And he says, honey, I've come to take you home. I need a wife. I need a mother. And I still love you. No matter what you've done, I've got mercy on you. And I still love you. Jesus said, I'll have mercy. Go learn what that meaneth. Just as Hosea had mercy on his wife, God in heaven has had mercy on Israel. And God in heaven has had mercy on us sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We ought to be destroyed. We ought to be put to death. But he had mercy. And he sent his son to die in our place. He said, I'll have mercy and not sacrifice. Go learn what that meaneth. And just as God has had mercy on us, God wants us to have mercy on others. There's where we have trouble. Abraham Lincoln had a young southern soldier brought before him that was condemned and was ready to be executed. And the young man's mother bowed before him, begged for his life, begged for his life. I want you to know, someone said, he ought to hang. And Abraham Lincoln's son said, no, hang on to him. The little boy's mother stepped out and said, Sir, would you have mercy? Someone said, He don't deserve mercy. She looked around and said, It wouldn't be mercy if he deserved it. I'm here to tell you today, it wouldn't be mercy if we deserved mercy. I'm looking at a crowd this morning. I even see some of you through the camera lens. We don't deserve the mercy of God, but in mercy, he's had mercy on us. He says, I'm almost done. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Years ago, I had some people working at my house and they were redoing our bathroom and they had taken the shower doors out and they left them sitting there in front of the, on the front porch of the house. And I thought, Lord, that's a, that was a terrible place to leave my, my shower doors where everybody could see them for the weekend. People might come over on Sunday. So I thought I'd just carry them shower doors to the garage. And I carried one, put it in the garage. And I carried the other as I'm carrying it. It pow, shattered like a shotgun in my hands and sliced my hand and thumb all to pieces to where I had to wrap it up. I had to go get sewed up. I was hurt. And the reason it happened was because I was carrying it in a way it shouldn't have been carried. I ought to have had gloves on. I ought to have been smarter about how I carried that. I, I was kind of operating um, uncarefully. Now I'm talking to somebody today. You're saved. Thank God you're saved. You rejoiced all morning that you're saved. But you have started playing and toying with sin. The things you look at, you need to go to the eye doctor. The things you're talking about, you need to go to the, to, to the throat doctor. Control that tongue. Some of the things you are gossiping and listening to, you need to go to the ear doctor. They, some of you, you've got back into alcohol. You've turned to it to try to numb what's going on in your life. 
gives you a false sense of peace. I'm talking to somebody here. Some of you, you've, you're, you're, you're teeter-tottering on being unfaithful. Unfaithful to what? Unfaithful to church, unfaithful to my home, and whatever you want to take it. God said it. But God knows what you need today. And you are carrying this thing, and you're getting ready to get hurt. Bad hurt. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Can I read one more text and I'm done? I think about the ministry of that verse, and I see it again in the book of Luke, chapter 18. I can't leave this alone. It's all over me. In the book of Luke, chapter 18, and in verse number 9, he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. I'm talking to somebody today. You are trusting in yourself that they were righteous and despised others. You'll sit here today and say, oh yes, I'm right with God. I am righteous in my actions and I'm not doing the things the preacher said. You're raising your nose up, looking your eyes down at other people. Lord God, if you'd get to praying for him and these other people, young people and and elderly people and marriages, if you'd pray for this boy, if you'd pray for this girl, if you'd get to praying for them, things would change. He gave this parable to those that trusted themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men, watch now, there's a contrast in people. There are two men. The one, a Pharisee, the other a publican. What did they do? They went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, religious. One a publican, contemptible, despicable, hated by his own nation. What did they do? Both of them went to pray. The Pharisee, listen to his contrast in prayer. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. I mean, he didn't fast once a year. He didn't fast twice a year. He, not once a month, not twice a month. He fasted twice a week. Gave tithes not just of what he made, but of everything he possessed. All his lands, he even gave, gave tithes on his dog. What a religious guy. He stood probably in the altar and he prayed loudly where everybody could hear him. Said, Lord, I want to thank you that I'm not like other people are, like that publican. Listen to how the publican prayed. The Bible says that the publican, standing afar off, probably in the back, wouldn't even lift up his eyes so much as to heaven. But he smote upon his breast. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You hear the difference in their prayer? One was asking for mercy. Let me tell you something. I looked all over my Bible. I cannot find one person who asked for mercy that God didn't grant it. Not one. This Pharisee never asked for mercy. He was just looking down on other people. Look at the difference in their posture. One standing in the front praying loudly and publicly. One is out in the back 
not to be seen and beating and smiting upon his own breast. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes to look to the Lord. There's a contrast in pardon. Verse 11, I'll tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The publican was pardoned, but the Pharisee, he didn't get one thing accomplished. There was a man, he, uh, he was in a drugstore, and he was getting ready to make a purchase. And he walked up to the counter, and he laid down his items and reached for his wallet when someone grabbed him and threw handcuffs on him. And he said, what is this? And the detective stepped out and said, you're under arrest. He said, what? What did I do? I'm not stealing anything. I've not broken any laws. He said, sir, you escaped many years ago from the Albany Penitentiary. We've been looking for you, and we found you, and we started casing you out, and I waited till you got away from your family to arrest you and take you back to the Albany Penitentiary this morning. And he looked at the detective and said, are you sure you got the right guy? He said, oh yeah, we got you. We know it's you. He confessed all of it. He said, I moved, I escaped, I moved west, I got married. He said, sir, would you let me go say something to my family? Would you let me say goodbye to my wife and my kids? And the detective said, I'll allow it. I know right where you live. They drove him to his house. He walked in with the handcuff on with that detective. And he said to his wife, she said, what's going on? What, what, y'all's got the wrong man. No, no, honey, listen to me. What he says I did, I did, and more. And they've caught me. Have I been a good husband? She said, of course, yes, you've, you've been a great husband. I had no, are you sure? What, what, you're living a double life? There's no way. Honey, it's true. His kid's weeping. Daddy, oh daddy. Kids, have I been a good daddy? Well, yeah, daddy, you've been the best daddy to us. You've been so good to us. Sir, will you listen to him? I've been a good husband. I've been a good daddy. See, what he was hoping for was that the detective would hear his good report of how good he is, and he'd let him go. But the detective said, come with me. He took him back to Albany Penitentiary and put him back in prison. Preacher Darren, wait a minute. You said mercy. That man never asked for mercy. That, never, that, man, that man was relying on his good record. I'm talking to somebody here this morning. Preacher Darren, I think I'm a pretty good person. I just want to, I, I want, I want to be honest. I'll be honest. How many of you, David, I hope you'll be honest. How many of you would say, I think my pastor's a good man? Put your hand up. See, I got you fooled. I got you so fooled. You see, my Bible says there's none good. No, not one. There's none good. No good. Fellas, I'll be a hell. I'm not deserving of the grace and the mercy of God. I have, I'm so unfit to be here this morning. But he saw fit. When he saw me slipping off into hell, in his mercy, he sent his son to save me. And one night, by the grace of God, he saved my soul. Amen. 
Lord, there's somebody here today. I don't know who you are. Some years ago, God spoke to me about going to see Mr. Essie Beam right down the road at the Beam's restaurant. Many of y'all live in Spruce Pine all your life. Preacher, y'all not to call her name. Y'all not. I went down to see Miss. I've known Miss Essie for a long time. She is up in her nineties, and I went in one day. It's about one thirty, two o'clock, and she had her soap operas on, and the TV was blaring. And I walked up and cut her TV off. Boop! I hit the off button. The Holy Ghost sent me. Had my Bible. I said, Miss Essie, I need to talk to you about your soul, honey. She said, I suspect you do. I said, honey, Jesus wants to save you. She said, preacher, I've been a hog gut sinner. I've stood for wrong things. I participated and done wrong things. Preacher, I, I don't deserve anything. She talked about how her granddaughter Maddie had gotten saved. Boy, how we love to hear Maddie. She sung this last week. She talked about how Maddie had testified about others in her family going to heaven. But she said, when, she, when you ask Maddie about me, she's going to say that I went there. And I said, Miss Essie, down, down to hell. I said, Miss Essie, you don't have to go. She said, preacher, every day I pray for mercy. Every day. For 90 years I prayed for mercy. And I'm alive again today. I said, but here's the thing, honey. His mercy endureth forever. But my Bible says, for by grace are you saved. And I've come today to ask you, would you change your prayer? She said, what? I said, would you ask him? I said, do you believe you're a sinner? She said, I told you I was. Do you believe Jesus died on the cross? She said, I'm sure of it. I said, how do you know? She said, because he's knocking right now. He's knocking right now. She's 90-something years old. He's knocking right now. And she said, preacher, would you help me to pray? I've prayed for mercy, but I don't know what else to pray for, preacher. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. Will he really forgive all my sins? Will he really let me go to heaven? I said, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. She got saved that day. It wasn't long God came calling for Miss Essie to go out into eternity. She went to heaven. She was our friend. Because of what Jesus done. Jesus said, I'll have mercy and not sacrifice. There's somebody today, you hear me? You need to ask God for mercy. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're up to. He knows what's needful for this church. Just as he's been merciful to you, he wants to be merciful to others. He wants you to get over your righteousness, get over yourself, and get to loving what he loves. He loves sinners. And somebody ought to join me in this altar and say, oh God, would you get to loving on sinners? Help me to start loving on sinners. God, would you have mercy? And there's somebody here that needs to say, God, and I need grace. Grace to save me. Grace to forgive me. Grace to redeem me. Oh, would you come this morning? Folks are moving. Lord, have mercy. Would you stand to your feet? Folks are moving today. I'm telling these folks here, you need to ask God for mercy. You need it, by, you need it worse than you think you do. Are you going to mind him? It's a choice. What are you choosing today? Do you choose to ask for mercy? Do you choose to ask? God, would you help me in my position? Folks are moving. God bless y'all. Folks still moving. God bless y'all. 
God, would you have mercy on my little family? Oh, I want to pray this. I want to pray this morning. God, would you have mercy on my little family? I've got a father-in-law that's not well today. I've got a wife that's got medical issues. God, would you have mercy? I'm telling you, somebody here, I can't even pray yet. Somebody here, you need to mind them. Come on, right now. Come on. God bless you. Come on, right now. Don't you miss what God has for you this morning. Oh, God. Father, this morning, when we bow in the presence of the Almighty, Lord, we read the scripture where Jesus said to that crowd that were looking down their sour noses, looking down upon a publican, he said, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. Oh, the physician didn't come to those who were well and whole. He came to those who were sick. Lord, we're a sick nation. God, we need your touch. We need your mercy, sir. We need your guidance. We need your deliverance. Father, we need your grace. Lord, I praise you. God, would you touch our family? Lord, would you have mercy on the church? God, would you help us, Father, that just as you've given us mercy, that we would learn to exhibit mercy to others. God, we may say they don't deserve mercy, but I'm reminded neither did I, neither did I, and neither do I this morning. God, would you touch us now? Would you cause us, Lord, I pray, to have revival? Would you cause us, Lord, to have refreshing and renewing oh, the mercy of God that's new every day by your mercy, Lord, you'll take away our sin. You'll pardon us, forgive us, and help us, God. Lord, I love you this morning. And I praise you for what you're doing. Lord, there's somebody, Lord, they're saved. They've been playing with things of the world. And God, you've called them out today. Lord, as they confess to you, Lord, you said if we'd confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And today, God, you've restored them by your mercy. I thank you for that, God. I praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.